Good morning, Flagler. The doctors are in. I'm Dr. Scott Cleo. And I'm Dr. Andrea Cleo. And we are here once again to talk about your health and health issues right here in Flagler, Volusia, and St. John's County. And remember, the show is The Doctors Are In. The Doctors Are Officially. In. Officially. That's how it's listed on the WNZF show it you and me. Website, website, me and you together. And you can see that. You can get up the app from WNZF. It's actually the uh, what what is the actual Flagler app? Radio? Flagler Radio, that's right. Because and they have six even though stations. WNZF is the best because the doctors <laughs> the are radio. in are in are on that show. Uh, they actually have a whole bunch of different uh, uh, stations, some really good ones. Kicks, don't they have the country? Yeah, they have several Kicks country. And and got, what are the other ones up there? Regular. Um, We're not on those state. They won't let us on the real station, <laughs> so we don't we don't really keep track of this. They won't let us sing. That's uh, the problem. Well, we could try. Andrea they, could sing. I don't. They think, may not want us to uh, to sing on our own. So, but uh, if you download that app, then you can listen to us like night and day. You don't even have to wait till Sunday mornings. Wouldn't yeah, that be awesome? Yeah, it goes back seven shows. Yeah, so. really. Mm-hmm. You could hear Andrea's melodious voice. Yeah. And tonight she is in her underwear. So. Oh no. Yes. Another X-rated show by Dr. Scott Cleos. She's in her nightgown. She's looking hot. I wish you guys could see this, but maybe we'll post something on the WNZF. Yeah, so there, there, uh, there's website. Beach Radio. There's Cool 100.9. There's Beach 92.7. There's Country 106.3. St. Augustine, that is. And WNZF, your favorite Wait, news not radio. I got the wrong one then. Huh? 94.9 and 1515 AM. And then there's Kicks Country at 98.7. Oh, there is Kicks Country. I thought that. FM and St. Augustine Beach 105.5. So you can listen to all that stuff. After you listen to The Doctors Are In, then you can go listen to one of those other stations and then come back to The Doctors and watch and listen to us a couple more times during the day because we're really trying to get syndicated. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Well, it's and if really... You, if all you guys listen and say, and call your friends over in New York and California and, and you know, we're all your... Where all your uh, your buddies live, and say, "Hey, you guys are to listen to the Doctors in. Here's the app. Just download Flagler Radio, and you can listen to the Doctors in night and day. That's right. While you're taking a shower, but they have other the great podcasts. Dave Ayers, the Dave's awesome. Dave has his own show, Free for All Friday. That was excellent. Yeah, I thought Dave. That Dave is, is fantastic. Just, he's got show. a great radio voice. He's always got good content. He, he's got good timing. He knows it. that whole state. That the whole station's and Joe's excellent. Joe Mullen show. Yeah, Joe's up there. And uh, of course, minds, Mark. Mark is minds. our, and we got Mark, who's our yep. producer. Yeah, I always love going in the studio with Mark. He's so calm, cool, and collect. Not like you and I. We're spazzes. Well, we kind of have to have you. a little more edge on us. Yeah, yeah you drive, and then there's there's also veterans on point. That's yeah. always a lot phenomenal. of stuff to listen to. I'm gonna That's have to. Right. So, did you download the app? I did download the app. Okay. Yeah. So, you guys, if you want to stay hip, download Flagler <laughs> Radio. And not only can you listen to us, but other really wonderful things on, on, on the various podcasts that are out there. But mainly Flagler us. Radio. But mainly us. All right. So I got to mention something before we get into the topic that you want to choose. Uh, this past week was the 128th anniversary of the diagnostic x-ray. Does anyone else find that exciting except me? Well, it's pretty cool. I really what, what happened to us before x-ray? You just suffered horribly. If you broke a bone, they would try to set it and make that leg look as best as they could, but they had no idea how that bone was going to heal. 
Um, you really couldn't see the lungs. You diagnosed pneumonia by percussing the chest, listening to you know the chest with a with a uh, stethoscope, and you'd listen for areas of decreased. The problem is every time we get a new technology, we lose a little bit of our diagnostic skill set. I mean, the doctor is not doing the exam. And just yeah, you don't have a doctor the doing CT the exam. Scan. So before you had X-rays. The um, the physician would examine you, would have to listen to you, would have to talk to you, get a history, and then actually put his hands on you and listen and and actually you know diagnose you based on your clinical symptoms and whatever he could glean from his physical examination. And then when the chest X-ray or the X-rays came out, they could actually see bone, so there was less of a uh, need to actually you know, figure out what was wrong inside by basically just looking at the patient and getting a history. You had some objective information. And then we could actually see the lungs of the chest. Uh, you could say, all right, well, this patient has a pneumonia because he's got a big infiltrate over here. So you, they kind of lost that skill set of auscultating the chest and looking for areas of decreased uh, respiration. And that's just gotten worse as we got more diagnostic tests. So now we can do CT scans and we can do MRIs and we can do all these other things. So, you know, we can look in and directly see what's going on inside the patient, but we have absolutely lost our skill set with uh, physical diagnosis, history and physical. And it's a shame because I've had patients tell me all the time that I've told my doctor for five years that I had this and nobody listened to me. I hear that constantly. Yeah. You know, Sir William Osler was probably rolling over in his grave because he's the one that instituted, you know, the Oslerian physical diagnosis where you can't really be a doctor to a patient unless you lay hands on them and you listen to them, right? So we've lost all that. But I don't want to put the discovery of x-rays in a bad light because it was revolutionary. revolutionary. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. So that all happened on November 8th of 1895. Uh, there was Professor Wilhelm Conrad Rentgen, who was working in his laboratory in the University of Wurzburg, where Andrew and I have actually been there. We yeah, went it was to the pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, we, we pulled up in front of this place, and Andrea speaks fluent German, which came in handy. And I said, Andrea... You know, I, I know it's got to be a, somewhere around here. And, you know, we pulled up in front of the physics building, which I knew that's where Rankin worked. And, you know, it's where he was a professor. And some kid comes by and Andrew asks him in German where the, you know, the museum is for, for Rankin. And the guy looks at her and, and just says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we were standing in front of it. I mean, we later found it. We was right there. But it's just surprising to me that, you know, in my mind, this is a discovery that impacted medicine, it, it, it's immeasurable, the impact that it had, right? I mean, you know, it just revolutionized diagnostic um, treatments. And, you know, eventually you had a whole bunch of other technologies coming out of that, including therapeutic uh, radiation therapy, uh, you know, CT, MRI, all these things that evolved out of that discovery. And I just look at it as you know, mind boggling that here we are in Würzburg, Germany, where the first x-rays were actually observed. And some of the locals don't even know that it exists there. <laughs> it's like, because really I appreciate I would it. That, that's when, when I would figure in, in the United States, if that happened in, you know, like in Ormond Beach, Florida, there'd be signs all over the highway, you are 50 miles away from the birthplace of x-rays, it would yeah. be on our license plate, right? right. In Germany, they're just they're just so they're so stoic. I mean, they just don't well, even. But the problem is, is that you 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 take for granted history, and that's dangerous. There's definitely times in history where we have to remember so we don't forget. But there's also times in history that we should memorialize because it really it it was a leap for mankind. 
Well, and I, I sent, I'm really into this. I love the history of medicine and I sent something out to my partners and my associates at, and I just said, happy x-ray anniversary on November 8th. And, uh, you know, I told them that, um, I would hope their day was as bright as the, uh, ionizing arc off their tungsten anode. And I thought that was, you know, a nice brilliant. little, brilliant little play on work, but I was an engineer before I went to medical school. So that may mean more to me than others, but I, I thought it was. I thought it was absolutely Maybe they didn't, genius. They didn't, but nobody responded. That's because they, they don't pre- care. They didn't appreciate it. They don't care. I'm the only one that cares. But I want you guys to care because November eighth is every year is the anniversary of the discovery of X-rays. And the reason I know that, or the reason it's important, is because the X-ray technologists. So you got to understand. There, I go to school. I was a physician. Um, trained as a medical doctor, and then I did a residency in radiology where I learned how to interpret x-rays and ultrasounds and nuclear medicine studies and do invasive procedures using these different imaging technologies. And uh, then I went on and did a fellowship and kind of honed my technical skills in interventional radiology, and that's how I got to this point in space-time. But we also have technologists. They're not technicians. So if you see someone who's taking your x-ray, uh, they're not technicians. They didn't learn on the job. They actually went to school and they're called technologists, radiology technologists, you know, or rad techs is what we call them. And uh, they're trained in the physics of x-rays. And before the age of digital x-rays, there was very important that they knew, you know, what uh, MAS, which is uh, milliamps per second, and the KVP which is, you know, kilovolt potential and all these different parameters and how they would affect the image. And they would have in their mind through their training of how much x-rays and how long the x-ray had to be on to get the perfect image of your arm as opposed to the perfect image of your chest or your head. So all these had different parameters. Now they've got these automatic exposure controls or AECs where they can actually measure the amount of x-rays coming through the patient. So some of this is done digitally and now that they actually have digital radiographs they've gotten even lazier because they don't need to know the physics as much because if they don't do a good job they can actually tease a good image out of the out of the digital image so you know we've lost some of that but those are the radiology technologists they celebrate nationally or worldwide the radiology technologist week is always on the week of november 8th because that's when x-rays were discovered so wherever x-rays you know whatever november 8th falls on that's rad tech week and that just happened to be this past week and that's why i brought this all up so hopefully you guys glean something from this uh from this um discussion and you'll remember that in 2024 we will be celebrating the 129th anniversary of x-rays and i expect you guys to get out there and party like you mean it Okay, I don't want to be the only one out there. And we hope year. your tungsten anode is shining bright. <laughs> yeah, the, right? the the ionizing the ionizing arc from your tungsten anode. That's you know, right. get it right. All right. So, um, you know, that's uh, and then the big one, of course, is going to be in 2025. For one thing. Andrew and I will be married 30 years then. Wow. Wow. Our anodes are really bright, right? <laughs> My anode is so happy right now, <laughs> thinking that we've been married for 28 we've years. We've got an arc, a nice arc. Yeah, we us. got a nice, you know, Healthy ionizing arc. arc. And uh, in 2025, we will be married 30 years, and x-rays will be 130 years old. Wow. Wait, we got married 
on the centennial of x-rays. Uh, how, and how appropriate. How can, how can I forget that? How is, how we got married in 1995. It was a 100-year anniversary of x-rays. Wow. We are so cool. I didn't even realize how cool we were. I thought we were cool, <laughs> but I didn't think we were that cool. I just hope our listeners appreciate how cool we are. <laughs> We're very cool in our own minds, anyway. Right. All right, well, my diatribe on the history of x-rays and the anniversary of the discovery of x-rays has taken up half our show. So we're going to take a quick break. If you have any questions for myself or Dr. Andrea, as always, you can email us at the doctor is in. Is it the doctor's... R in. Is, is that how you say it? The so it's not the doctor RN. is in anymore? No, What's the doctor's the, is R in. Yeah, but it, how about... Meaning two of us. I know, but what about... Don't even send us an email, because I'm not sure. I'll have to check with uh, Mark. Oh, oh, how to send an email. Yeah, because it used to be D-O-C-T-O-R-I-S-I-N. The doctor is in at WNZF.com. Oh, the email probably hasn't changed. But they, they probably need to change it to the doctors are in at oh, we're WNZF.com. Gonna to, we're going to have to bring that up with... Yeah. If you guys really need to get a hold of us, I'm just going to give you Andrea's cell phone. You guys ready? Get a pen and pencil. Call the radio station. Or you can call the radio station. So we'll hold off on the on the email for now. So if you guys have some kind of burning question, maybe they can go to the Flagler app and leave us a message that way. Uh, that's right. Is that know. possible? I don't know. I have to check and see if there's ways We're going to, to find all this information out for you, and we are going to give you some answers. Maybe not during this show, but on next week's show, for sure, 100%. And we'll have all this so worked out with the email and the contact information. But for now, stay tuned. We'll be right back in a moment. Radiology Associates has been a trusted name in Volusia, Flagler, and St. John's County for over 50 years. Radiology Associates is the first and only radiology provider to bring our neighbors of Flagler County 3 Tesla MRI, 64 Slice CT, and Time of Flight PET CT in our Palm Coast Imaging and Town Center Imaging locations. This is our community. Our doctors live here and strive to provide only the best care to you, our neighbors. For more information about Radiology Associates, visit us online at radiologyassociatesimaging.com. we're back. For those of you just joining us, we spent the first half of the show talking about the 128th birthday of the diagnostic x-ray discovered by Professor Wilhelm Conrad Röntgen in Würzburg, Germany on November 8th of 1895. Absolutely transformed diagnostic medicine. And actually, it was a really cool God museum. Yeah. It was a cool museum, but it was a kind of a small museum. A small, I, I figured. In a, prof- in a lab. It at, was his know. old lab. It yeah. was actually his lab, and they had some of his equipment in there. You really couldn't even walk in. You could just stand in the doorway and kind of look, but it's pretty cool. That we did walk around that room. We walked in that room. Did we go in the room? Yeah, we did. Was I there? Yes, you were. Man. Ooh. Love. Drank that brain cell away, huh? What the heck? I don't think you drink too much. I don't think you drank it away. It just might be dwindling away. <laughs> wow. We actually walked in the room? Yes, and we walked looking? around the room. And there mm. were little things set up around the room. Yeah. But they had like a, they had like, uh, it was all like kind of partitioned off. You couldn't go up to the, to the benches and see all the equipment, could you? I, I just that... remember walking around a room. Okay. Well. We can ask Udenolf. Yeah. The kids were with us too, but I don't think they would remember because they were little. All right. Well, maybe it's just better I just forget about it because I don't want to figure out that we actually <laughs> were there when like Rankin discovered x-rays and I don't remember the whole thing. So that no, would be no, embarrassing. No, it was just a room that we went in and it was kind of like, like you said, it was like in a, it was in a, like a university building and then one of the rooms was a, was a museum. 
Well, it was his room. That's why that yeah. they turned that into a museum. It was Rankin's office. Right. So his that's laboratory. we walked around. And then yeah. there were different things set up around It was the his room. laboratory. But, you know, again, I look at these events as just, you know, just uh, sentinel. You know, they changed the way we did things. And, and I think I mentioned on the show a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months ago how when we went over to go visit uh, Andrea's cousin in Wimbledon, I was uh, lamenting to her cousin, actually we were in Italy when I saw him, and I was talking to him how I wanted to go over to London uh, to go see where they had the first CT scanner. Did we talk about this on the show? No, we talked about CT scanner a long time ago when we went to the funeral. Right. That was that was back in 2005. Right. Or so, well, some of the newer listeners may not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember all the way back to them, but so the first clinic, the, the CT scanner was actually invented by a British engineer named Godfrey Hounsfield uh, back in the early 70s. I mean, he first conceptualized all this stuff in like 1968 and uh, you know, built some prototypes in 1969 and 1970, built a prototype clinical scanner, and they installed that in the Atkinson's Morley's Hospital in Wimbledon, England, in like 1971, I think, the end of 1971. And that's where they did the first clinical testing of the CT scanner, you know, actually did patients there. And uh, again, I look at the CT, nobody comes into that hospital now without getting a CT. It's kind of like the, it's like the truth machine. I mean, you, you can't hide anything from the CT. We know exactly what's in your pockets and, you know, what you got inside your body, everything. So it has further revolutionized, uh, you know, diagnostic medicine. And I'm looking at this as an absolute milestone in, in medicine and thinking that this should probably be memorialized or, you know, some kind of museum or landmark or something kind of um, delineating where this all took place and where it transpired. And, and Godfrey Downsfield actually worked for EMI, Engineer, uh, Electronic Music Industries. And EMI was the record label for the Beatles. So back in the 70s, you know, late 60s and early 70s, when the Beatles were killing it, EMI was flush with money. And Godfrey Hounsfield was working in their, you know, laboratory, uh, because they had multiple different, um, uh, you know, subsections in that, uh, in that company. And one of them was, you know, looking at uh, computers and developing uh, computer based equipment. And that's how Hounsfield came up with this uh, concept of the CT scanner. And, um, you know, the history is just mind boggling to me, because all these pieces kind of fell into place with Godfrey Hounsfield being right there, the Beatles producing, you know, a windfall for EMI, and just everything came together. And that's how the CT scanner came into being. And uh, unfortunately, even back then, by that point in time, um, the medical system in England had already gone into socialism. And I think it's called the Department of Health and Social Services, the DHSS, uh, you know, or the NAS and they, uh, anytime you get the government taking over something, it's just, it's just a mess, right? So the Godfrey Hounsfield and EMI came to the Department of Health and Social Services and said, look, we got this machine that you can actually see inside the head and look at the brain directly. And they had no idea what they were talking about, you know, because they're a bunch of government idiots, just like our government idiots. And um, they said, well, we're not going to do anything until you, you know, garner some interest from the medical field about this new little, you know, project you're working on. We're not going to invest in anything. You're going to have to find some funding or at least some interest from the medical community. And 
Hounsfield realized that that was not going to happen in England because of the inertia of the uh, Department of Health and Social Services. So he actually came to the United States and he went to a couple of review courses for neuroradiology up in New York. And the first presentation he did was at a review course. Um, I can't remember the doctor's name, but one of my mentors was attending that very meeting and saw Hounsfield and this guy named Dr. Bull stand up there and show the first CT images of the brain that no one had ever seen in the entire world. And he was like me, this, uh, this, um, you know, Clore. yeah, Forrest Clore, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Forrest Clore was awesome. But that guy saw the potential in this and he had one of the first CT scanners in the United States and he got it for the VA medical center in Gainesville. So From interesting. one government to another. Yeah. I huh? mean, but he was, he pushed hard for that thing and he had one of the first, uh, CT scanners in the United States, but that's where, you know, they kind of got their start. But you know, now the CT scanner is ubiquitous. I mean, EMI isn't involved in it anymore. But I figured this was a sentinel event that, again, would be memorialized. So I figured me and Andrea's cousin were going to go find the Atkinson Morley's Hospital. We were going to walk in there. And I was going to say, I'm Dr. Cleos. I'm a radiologist from the United States. And I want to see the first CT scanner. So I go over there. And I'm trying to find this hospital. And uh, Chris, Andrea's cousin, said, oh, they knocked that place down and put apartments up there. There's nothing left of it. It is absolutely gone. There's <laughs> nothing left. No, not even a little plaque that says this is where the first CTs. Now there's still there's the Queen's Hospital over there, and they've got the Atkinson Morley Ward Ward uh, Ward Ward. Is that yeah, my yeah, saying yeah, that the right? Yeah. Ward, where they actually, because they're world-renowned for doing neurosurgical procedures, because they're the first one in the world to have a, a CT scanner. So, you know, these guys could see in the head before everyone else. So they do have a wing called Atkinson Morley's Hospital, and they do have Hounsfield's, one of his first clinical scanners in the British Museum. But that's it. But there's nothing on the original site where they actually went and did the first, you know, scans on a patient. So mind-boggling to me. I mean, I look at this, and I'm like, how can we just let this go? But... Whatever, you know, I'm one person. Yeah. I'm going to try to keep the memory alive, but I can't do this alone. So when I find out the anniversary of the CT scanner, I'm going to share that with you guys too. And then we can celebrate not only the x-ray birthday, but the CT birthday. That's pretty amazing. We should probably I mean, do MRI and, you know, ultrasound well. too. Might you know, well. Get them all out there. Yeah. So we'll work on that. Yeah. All right, we've got a couple minutes left, and I know you wanted to mention something. You had a very interesting I patient. an interesting case, and uh, it was a... Historical case, uh, and it, well, his, history in the sense of a patient came in to see me, 47 years old, 48 years old, uh, family history of gout, and he had it gout from the age of 19, and ended up coming into the hospital with pancreatic failure, or he didn't come into our hospital, but he, we were in the clinic, but I saw him after a series of uh, excisions of his pancreas, 11 different excisions of his pancreas from... April until um, October, and no one really could figure out because he wasn't really a drinker, and that wouldn't have caused his progressive pancreatic failure and necrosis, and um, didn't have cancer, and he also didn't have kidney stones, and he wasn't on any toxic agents that can cause pancreatitis and recurrent flares. So the only thing we can think of is that it might have been his ongoing gout, and there are articles showing pseudocysts, cysts that can form in the pancreas as a result of gouty flare-ups. Um, and instead of presenting in joints, it's presenting in the pancreas. It's incredibly rare. But in somebody who has this early onset of, of, uh, of gout, uh, most of the cases that were reported actually were in the 70s. But um, I did mention this to the gastroenterology chairman 
Um, and we are going to actually send the, um, they, I, well, I didn't, they actually sent the blood work to see if there's any genetic correlation that he may have a, some type of gene risk for gout in, in his family because they all seem to have gout early on. He was the only one with this weird pancreatic anomaly that, again, is a rare, rare case. But who knows? Maybe the, we, we frequently have patients coming into the hospital that have pancreatic flare-ups that are not drinkers, that don't have stones that we can find. Sometimes the stone may have passed. Um, and or they're not on medications. We don't know really why their pancreas is failing. And maybe we really need to look and actually be be looking more frequently, and could it be related to uric acid? So I just thought it was very, very interesting. But um, sometimes it's good to step away and look at someone's history in a big uh, scope of things because a lot of times the clues might be right around the corner. It's just we don't assume them because it's not the typical presentation. So it's always good to be analytical and very thinking forward when you see interesting cases or complicated cases, because there's usually an explanation. Um, so very, very interesting, though. Yeah, Andrea brought this up to me the other night, and she goes, have you ever heard of gout causing pancreatitis? I'm like, no. And that's all through urate, right? Uric yeah, acid. uric acid. And the way uh, these patients uh, become, come down with gout is they have a problem um, uh, metabolizing, is it pyruvate? Purines. Purines, that's what it is. The purines, so the purines are broken down, which is basically a byproduct of proteins, right? Mm -hmm. And you get all these urate or uh, uric uh, acid crystals that then settle out into the body in different places, mainly like in the joints and stuff like that. And that's how it manifests as gouty arthritis. So in, you know, back in the Baroque days, uh, it was known as a disease of the affluent, Right, because the people that got this stuff were eating high protein, you know, expensive foods. They could afford the the meats and the fishes and the shrimp and all that other stuff. So you didn't see the skinny guy who was, you know, an indentured servant working out in the field coming down with gout because they didn't eat enough protein to actually, you know, have these. Um, um, the, these urate crystals settle out in, in his blood. But the, the big fat nobleman, you know, who's sitting there eating well every night, those are the guys that came down with the gouty arthritis. I had no idea that, you know, these urate crystals could actually affect the pancreas. But Andrew was right. As always, you were right. Yeah. So what's interesting, too, is if any of you have gout, it's not just alcohol and purines, proteins, a lot of consomme if you're eating bone broth, chicken broth, uh, organ meat, um, shellfish, um, but actually fruit can accelerate gouty formations. So you have to be really careful with gout that uh, we do always assume that it's associated with beans and proteins. Some vegetables like spinach and asparagus can cause some gouty flare-ups, but also fruits can induce gouty flare-ups. So a lot of my patients, I will have them minimize their fruit intake, um, and it seems to really make a big, big difference. There's a wonderful book called drop acid, meaning uric acid. And uh, it's a very scientific or medically written book. So people that are really into liver, pancreatic, and cardiovascular disease, uric acid correlates and is explained in detail in that book. The uric acid levels are also a correlation to cardiac inflammation. So I usually like to get uric acid level on my patients at risk for heart disease. Um, some of my young diabetics who come in who are doing fairly well, but but 
maybe not as well as they could be doing, and I just want to look at a cardiac risk. So you can order SED rates, which are inflammatory markers, or C-reactive proteins, which are more specific cardiovascular markers, but also uric acid is another one of those markers that I like to kind of follow trends. So if the uric acid level is high, I, I basically encourage them to eat a healthier diet, meaning more vegetables, less red meat, um, more chicken fish, and getting them to drink more fluids and definitely stay away from the alcohol and the excess fruit. So All the stuff we love in life. Yep, all the Andrew's things that we just need to keep a of. balance. We need to stay healthy oh, and stay balanced. And there goes the beer and the wine. Yeah. And the ribeye steak. Yep, 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 yep. But but that drives colorectal cancer, heart disease, and all sorts of other things. So once in a while, it's a treat, but not every day and not every Okay, week. well, there you go. On that happy note, we're going to wrap things up. If you have any questions for myself or Dr. Andrew, as always, you can email us at the doctors in, we think, D-O-C-T-O-R-I-S-I-N at W-N-Z-F dot com. Stay happy. Stay healthy. We'll see you next time. The doctors are out. The Doctor Is In Radio Show, paid for by Radiology Associates.